Hey, listeners. After five babies, I've changed a lot of diapers. And I have opinions about them. A lot of people think Pampers Cruisers 360 are best to use when your baby is older. But in my experience, they're the best diapers to use as soon as your baby starts standing or walking. That's because these diapers don't have ordinary diaper tabs. They have a unique 360-degree stretchy waistband that makes it so easy to change your wiggly baby who just can't stop moving. Just slide on to apply, rip the sides to remove, and roll everything up with the disposal tape on the back. Pampers Cruisers 360 offer a gap-free fit that is up to 100% leak-proof and just got even better with a new blowout barrier. And since these diapers stretch with your baby, your active baby can move all over the place, getting into everything as usual. Pampers Cruisers 360 are available in sizes 3 to 7 and now feature fun new prints. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Hi, this is Laura Vanderkam. I'm a mother of four, an author, journalist, and speaker. And this is Sarah Hart Unger. I'm a mother of three, practicing physician, and blogger on the side. We are two working parents who love our careers and our families. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. Here we talk about how real women manage work, family, and time for fun. From figuring out childcare to mapping out long-term career goals, we want you to get the most out of life. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. This is Laura. This is episode 56. We have a special guest today, KJ Delantonia. She is uh, actually sitting right next to me, Hello. which is where I'm sitting in her hotel room in the Marriott, and we're airing this after, so you don't have to worry about crazy oh. stalkers or anything. <laughs> I, I, so far, I don't have any. Ever, ever since that one boyfriend in 1993. Oh, geez. <laughs> I was. She will be out of this Marriott by the time it airs. So, um, but we're sitting in her hotel room because we're at the podcast movement uh, conference here. Um, so we're glad we got to do this mostly in person. Sarah's in Miami, but we're Yeah, we're I'm totally jealous. Yeah. I'm totally jealous. That's okay. <laughs> so um, we'll have KJ introduce herself. We're happy to have her on because she is the author of a brand new book. Um, it's called How to Be a Happier Parent, which is, of course, something that we are all looking to do. Uh, and Sarah and I have also been listening to her podcast for a while, which is hashtag AmWriting. She and Jess Leahy talk about all uh, manner of writing. And as they say in their introduction every time, the various different <laughs> sorts, tweets, uh, blog posts, <laughs> tiny magazine articles, yes. <laughs> list all things. Um, so we've we've been listening to that as well and learning learning a lot about the business and um, the practical sides of 
writing. So welcome. Thank you so much for having me. This is going to be really fun. I think it is too. It's weird to actually do a podcast while I'm talk- looking at someone. <laughs> so, we'll try that. Isn't- at each other while, while we were doing that. So why don't you introduce yourself to our to our guests, anything that I didn't didn't share. Sure. So I am KJ Delantonia. As Laura said, I'm the author of the book, How to Be a Happier Parent. It is just, just out. And I've, I've just sort of come off an exciting period of like telling everyone about it. And I guess I'm right in the middle of an exciting period of going and telling everyone about it. I am also the former editor of the Motherload blog at the New York Times, which became Well Family. I'm still a contributor there, and I, you know, freelance write about all things parenting, typically more on the the cultural and societal and political side than on the personal, but a little bit of both. And the book is, it's really a data-driven, researched look at um, how to be a happier parent, but with lots of informed by my life with four kids and informed by lots and lots of been there, done that parents who, um, frankly, had a lot to teach me about some of the topics we covered. Yeah. And I, I've enjoyed reading a lot of your like freelance stuff for years prior to this. Is this your first full-length book? No, my first full-length book was actually before I even joined the Times. It was called Reading with Babies, Toddlers, and Twos. I co-authored it with Susan Straub, who's maybe more famous now as being Emma Straub's mom. Um, and Emma's a, a novelist you might have heard of. Oh, great yeah. bookstore in New York. Um, they are this super literary family and connecting with Susan was really one of the big starts of my career. And we had this hugely fun time writing about little, uh, about kids' books at the time. Although KJ did have a career before that too. Oh yeah, I was a lawyer. She was a lawyer. <laughs> that, <laughs> that. That. So fun story. She actually um, went to law school at this relatively the same time as my husband, although she, she graduated a little bit later as she was yes, declared. Much like, younger than much, her husband. <laughs> much, <laughs> much younger if they could still be overlapping uh, with uh, being there at the same time. But uh, yeah, so that was that was um, when I mentioned you at some point, he's like, hey, I went to law school with her. <laughs> it was a small law school. It was a small, so I guess. Kind of so. only, it totally was. We all knew each other. Yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, hopefully he behaved himself in law school. Don't really have any idea. It was all good. You might not want to know. You might not want to know. That could be that could be possible. Um, so yeah, left left the law, fled from the law, fled were, from the law. Um, went into a literary career. Um, how did the New York Times one come about? By the way, you applied for that. Oh, when Lisa, after Lisa Belkin, right? Yeah. So so this was great. All right. So um, I stopped being a lawyer. Had a baby. I actually got laid off from from being a lawyer after nine eleven, and decided at that point that it was time to throw myself into the the writing, which really was what I'd always intended to do. So I paid a lot of money. <laughs> I was saying school. the law school is just sort of a circuitous path. Uh, yeah. yeah. Fortunately, my dad won't be listening to this because that would it would just crush him. So I, I threw myself in, and it was just when the internet was really hitting and boiling. That's the day, and so I was I was literally mailing queries to magazines in little envelopes with self-addressed, stamped, returned envelopes. Ooh, when S-A-S-E. I started, that's the, right. The people who are younger listening to this yeah, have no idea what yeah. an S-A-S-E is. So I barely is. caught that. And at the same time, I was you know writing for these new things, and I joined the cast at Slate. Pretty early on, um, not super early, but when they were starting, they were trying to do a, a gender-based section, I guess, called X Factor. And I joined them actually as their children's media reviewer with the idea that I would then write anything and everything that I could for them um, and just said, yes, 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 and, and ended up as, as one of their regulars. And from there, when I found out, when Lisa told me that she was leaving Motherload for HuffPo, which is what she did, I literally... Uh, I think she 
emailed me, I'm leaving. And I, I was at dinner with Jess, my yeah. co-host, and our friend Serena Bowen. And I said, guys, I have to go because I have to go home and write a job Oh, wow. So, and it yeah. worked. And by the end of that night, I had sent them a, an email and said, I'm, I am the best person for this job. It, there was more to it than that. <laughs> they, <laughs> they didn't say, oh, okay. No, they, they <laughs> well, really you didn't. say so. But, um, yeah. But, and you did it for, you did it for quite some time. I did it for five years. Wow. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was great. It was the best, it was the best, the best job ever. Really. Because well, you learn, I mean, fun. you get so many different topics. I mean, yeah. obviously there's a huge amount of content to put out there, but you've probably yeah. heard from so many different people on all this different aspects. Of yeah. It. Well, it really started out as the wild, the wild west. It was, I mean, Lisa had done it for a while, but just as I joined, we were really starting to have guest writers. So I did so much more editing than anybody expected me to do. And also, um, you know, they paid, they paid a lot of really close attention to the, the words as the times should. But at the time, so the sort of the stuff around it, the, the illustrations, whether or not you maybe you know, tried to explore a little stop motion video, or uh, I don't know if anybody remembers Vine, which was that short video thing. Um, when you were on Twitter, all that kind of stuff, they weren't really on top of that yet. So you kind of could just, we really spent a lot of time playing around and exploring. It was a lot of fun. I remember seeing KJ at a conference with a little camera, like on a tripod. Uh, I guess you were oh my gosh, interviewing yeah, people trying to get video, time. early yeah. vlogging. Yeah, so and I'm sure part of you you saw a lot of different aspects of, of parenting through that that beat, and and your book has certainly come out of, of part of that. I mean, do you think it is hard to be happy as a parent? Why why is this an issue that's so? Uh... I think surprisingly few of us feel like we're happy as a parent, and that was definitely my experience in um, working with other writers and in interviewing people. It wasn't, to be honest. I this is I just. I've been, you know, looking at different lines from my book, and one of them was, uh, there wasn't really anything to complain about, but complain we did. Oh, yes. Uh, and so, you know, here we all were with these lovely modern Western lives, and realistically, on a day-to-day -day basis, most of us, especially, I mean, if, you're, if you've got the wherewithal to be listening to this podcast and you're worried about this, you probably have, generally speaking, enough to eat and a roof over your head and, you know, clean sheets and, and the works. And yet we find a lot of things to stress about. And I really wanted to look at both why and sort of more relevantly, can we make that stop? Because um, this is what we wanted. Like most of us really worked hard to get to this family position. We wanted to be working parents with kids and, and have all the things in the dishwasher and the dog and everything. Um, you know, so, so how can we get to the point where we're, we're mostly enjoying it? I'm not sure that my sheets are all that clean. But, um, you you could clean. Them. I could clean my sheets. I have a working. It might make you happy. It might make me. Or it might not. I don't, that's an interesting. Question. For Laura, I don't think it would. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if it's you know it's this gap between sort of expectations and reality. I mean, if you see about how like parenthood is portrayed and all sorts of them I mean, between the Hallmark movie side and you know yeah. Instagram of people's like oh my four darling children <laughs> and uh, you know then. There's that expectation and the reality where they're like up at 5 a.m. inviting each other, right? yeah. you know. So is, is that gap you think partly responsible? I think for? that gap is partly responsible for that for it. And I do think when they're up at 5 a.m. inviting each, and I, we just we just took a road trip with four, and they spent a lot of time licking each other. We are these are teenagers, yeah. by the way. Mind you, yes, <laughs> yeah. We're, we're, we're having, our, you know, we're sitting there telling the 12 year old to stop licking the 17 year old, and we had this huge commotion because the. 14-year-old licked the 13-year-old's camera. 
I, I, <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. So we got 12, 13, 14, and 17? I do. I do. Oh, and wow. they're still. They're just clustered in there. Yeah, they're still looking <laughs> at each other. Um, so I think we feel like that's bad. Like those are the bad times. It's 5 a.m. and they're biting each other. And this is and this is terrible because they shouldn't be biting and looking at each other and, and it should look different. And so some of what I found as I researched the book was that part of our problem is just how we how we look at it. And it's not just, I think this should look more Instagram worthy. It's also actually, you know, the 5 a.m. By, nobody wants to be up at 5 a.m. Or by, sorry, I gotta let, let you. But the, that moment when they're all there and they're all doing those things, I mean, there's this larger good that is still going on. You're still, you know, you're still in your happy place. Your your family is still, it's still your refuge. You're still loved. You're still sort of part of a a good piece of life. And being able to train your brain to notice that even as you're shrieking. Stop biting. I can tell those are your tooth marks on her arm. Uh, you know, it just it just can make the whole thing just feel a little better. I think that's your legal background that you can identify the tooth marks. <laughs> that's absolutely the, the point of evidence here of which which child it was who who did that. I know you were the only one missing a front tooth. So I know that with you. <laughs> um and, and one of the great things about this book is that KJ talks about uh her you know, personal story of it. And there, there's a lot of, of KJ and her family in there. And in, in addition to the broader research, and, you know, I wonder if you could share some of your particular stumbling blocks or, you know, low moments on, on your parenting journey. <laughs> low, moments. low moments. Well, I thought one with your, your two daughters, um, you know, the, the showdown at the hockey rink was, was certainly a, a moment. <laughs> yeah. So my two daughters are extremely close in age. And as I was writing this book, they were, um, they were uh, 11 and 12. They were living in the, they, they shared a bedroom. They go to the same tiny school. They were playing on the same hockey team. Basically every minute of every day they were together and they didn't, this was not my choosing. Um, they did not like each other at this, at this time. They are both very different and very similar. And they were just, they were at war. It was, it was just every day was this, if you don't have siblings who are at each other's throat, it's hard to even sort of think about how bad it is just to live with people who are really willing to go for the jugular at any moment. I mean, you know, like you can have two office mates who dislike each other. They're not going to be like, you know. They at least are trying to be professional. I mean, generally speaking, you're not prying one of them's hands off the other one's neck. And that's an exaggeration. I don't think that ever happened. But, you know, they would just they would just go at it. And here I am and I'm writing this chapter on how to be a happier parent and sibling relationships. And I'm just thinking, I'm going to have to give the advance back. Because this is really, <laughs> I cannot be happier. Yeah, like we are never, ever, ever, ever going to be happier. So it's a huge advantage to be writing a book at that point because I basically went and bought a huge stack of books about raising siblings, of which some of my favorites. I, I, I'm, I'm going to miss people, but certainly um, sibling uh, siblings without rivalry is really. Oh, I've heard that's good. Yeah, that one's high on my list, but. And I also just started calling people. I called those people. I called uh, I called every expert that I could come up with, and I was just like, you know what? What is this? What can I? What, what should I do? And the interesting upshot, uh, the sort of long story short, is that the answer was I needed to just stop doing much of anything. Mm -hmm. 
if you see something, you don't have to say something. That right? that turned out to be one of the mantras. So the deal was for us, and this is, I mean, just sort of to, to take this to the larger level of if you've got battling siblings, when the when they're little, you really do have to you have to get in there. Well, you sort of have two choices. You can either let them let them alone and not go in there and because you just can't at that moment. But if you can go in, you have to really be like, oh my gosh, you know, Laura, you want to build with blocks, but Sarah's in the mood to kick over box. What are what are we going to do about it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, give them each time to to, to try to go, Laura, I hear you saying that Sarah has kicked over your block. You know, sort of do all the things that are the the um, quintessential uh, mockery things that you know parents need to say but you really do need to say that you need to get to them to, to the point where even if they won't admit it they can see each other's perspective and you have to do that sort of again and again and again until you're pretty convinced that even when they're still knocking over each other's blocks and you know as i said if my 17 year old builds a block tower it's quite possible my 12 of course my 12 year old would knock it over once you're pretty convinced that they can see each other's perspective that's the point when you have to you have to just let them even if it sounds awful, even if it sounds wrong, even if the 17-year-old is shrieking, you have a fat butt, and the 12-year-old is shrieking, you don't have any friends, unless those are like massive emotional no-goes in your house, you really just need to go and put some headphones on and, and let them work it out. And that's what I needed to do. It's gotten better. It has. It's totally good. Actually, now it's my youngest son and my youngest daughter who do this a little bit more. So we're still in the throes of, of siblingness. But that particular relationship, yeah, it really, once, you know, I kept taking sides. I didn't mean to take sides, but it always seems like somebody's right, right? It is hard. It, I would say it's very hard because I always feel like, yeah, my two older fight all, all the time. And it's like someone usually is kind of more in the wrong, but you're right. If I, If you can resist kind of being there, be a little more neutral, be a little bit, make it their problem to figure it out. Well, the advice I got was to, to either, you sort of, you had two choices. And the first choice is both of you are making your cra me, you, me crazy. You go sit in the closet. You go sit in the garage. Um, you know, a, a universal, both of you, or both of you stop it, or that's it. I'm turning the TV off. Just Something that really, and you have to be sort of careful with that last one because it could be that one of them really wants the TV off, uh, but but something that applies to them both. Or you have to just you have to just walk away. And I really was, I mean, usually one or the other of them was pretty right. But the thing is, you never know. I mean, you don't know what happened before. You don't know what happened an hour ago. Yeah. You just have to let them. They have their they have their relationships apart from you, and you have to let that develop. And I would also say that it's possible. The siblings will never be best friends, and that's okay. Yeah, yeah. They, don't, like they don't have to be best friends. I just, you know, need to be able to be in the house with yeah, both of them. With both of them. Well, there are a lot of great ideas um, in here. I mean, Sarah, what were, you had a few questions in here that you wanted to. Oh uh, well, I love. I want. I know you mentioned the chore chapter, and I definitely enjoyed that chapter a lot, and it made me want to rethink some of the things we do because we have not, you know, and that's something that Laura and I have talked about. When you have, we both have. Like I have a nanny who does a lot of our chores and then our kids see that happening. And, you know, how do I make sure that they're also learning to do things for themselves? So I liked a lot of your ideas there. And then 
I definitely want you to talk more about travel because I like that chapter and we're about to embark on a pretty crazy adventure pretty soon. So I could use all the tips I can get. Well, let's, let's talk about the chores first because you do a year, a yearly tour assignment. We do now. So first thing I want to say about chores is that it took both writing this chapter and then editing this chapter and then copy editing this chapter and then reading it aloud for the audiobook for me to really feel like everything that I had learned from other people had soaked in and for us to start change. We change this up constantly. And I finally feel like we're kind of the thing about chores is, well, I mean, there's a bunch of things about chores, but one of the thing about chores is honestly, this one's on you. Their homework is their problem. Um, their relationship with their sibling is their problem, but if they're not doing chores, it's really because we're not making them. There's just, there's nothing, there's nothing more to it than that. And I hate that. That totally sucks. Why can't it be that they're just lazy, terrible, terrible people? <laughs> but who would do chores if, if someone wasn't, you know, they don't feel the same things that we feel. They don't feel like a sink full of dishes is a judgment on their humanity and their, you know, their, their personhood or, or, or whatever. It just doesn't bother them. So if you want it done, you really have to, you, you have to insist that they do it. And that is really hard, especially if you have someone um, who can help. Uh, but you, the yearly assignment though, it gives people the chance to become masters of their right. particular chores. Right. right. So that was something I learned as I, I wrote this is that every, a lot of the people that I talked to who felt really good, who were like, Oh yeah, I kids help around the house you know, which causes you to like roll your eyes and, and fall over, um, <laughs> said that's, that's how they did it. They had a, a year long assignment and we shifted our actually have ended up being more like sort of six to, so it'll, it'll be like the school year and then the summer and then the next school year. But the deal with that is they get to get really good at it. They get to make it a habit. It all, you know, you have to pick things that have to happen in my opinion, daily and pretty much at the same time to have an expectation that it'll really happen. I think as they get older, you could probably, uh, you know, maybe laundry doesn't have to happen. It's have to happen at the same time every day. And also you sort of get a little more room to cut them some slack. I mean, if, if they're at a sports practice and you end up loading the dishwasher, the next night they're still going to load the dishwasher. I mean, you have to be careful about that because we don't, we parents are really, we cut our kids a lot of slack and we pretend we don't, you know. So loading the dishwasher would be, what, what are examples of chores that could be assigned for the year? Like what yeah. are, um, and these are so little and tiny and that is okay. I mean, realistically, I have somebody that cleans my house too. And so the chores aren't cleaning the bathroom and they know how to clean a bathroom and I'm going to let the idea that they will do it every week for the moment. I'm letting that go. So our chores are pretty small. As every morning, somebody has to unload the dishwasher. Twice a day, somebody has to take, you know, somebody has to feed our four indoor pets. And then we have outside animals that somebody has to go out and deal with once a day. Um, so those, that's like their daily, the daily task is nothing more than that. Oh, and then taking out the trash. I was going to say, there's four of them. So shouldn't there be four? Um, that you... was, actually, it's, it's a little tough because there aren't really four, but really, uh, yeah, they are... Empty the dishwasher, feed the animals in the morning, feed the animals at night, and uh, take out the trash. Those are those are sort of the the main four that really truly have to happen every. And so the same person does it, and and that on top of that, every night after dinner, everybody has to stay in the kitchen 
until the kitchen is cleaned. And that's a really hard one. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, because they finish at different times. And then <laughs> they're like, but I have homework. I have homework to do, or, yeah. In the case of one of them, but I have to go to the bathroom. Yeah, we are all on to you. Um, I don't know. It's going to be that their bladder acts You know, it's a very... digestive thing. You eat, you got to go. Yeah, it's a very... We'll wait. We'll wait. We'll wait. Well, I was going to... I mean, so the book is about being a happier parent, how to be a happier parent. And one of the, the hangups with the chore thing is that you have to keep asking. Uh, yeah. And and I think some people have this idea, the holy grail is that you don't have to ask, that the kids right. do the chore without it, which may be setting yourself up for failure. If that's accept, a totally different thing. That's a totally different thing. If you accept that you will always still have to be asking, yeah. but it will get done, Yeah. Um, that that's a different You're thing. exactly right. you can right. succeed. And yeah. then you're, you um, have to separate those two things. There's the, I want you to do this instead of me. Mm-hmm. And then there's the, I want you to do it without being reminded. And I have talked to so many people who have been like, yeah, that second part, you get that when they're 19. Yeah. And you just have to let it, you just have to let it go. That's not, that's not a piece of it. You know, I, I have to, and it depends on the kid too. I literally, and it's not about you in this case. I have one child who will put a dish in the dishwasher every single time. They never have to ask. I have another who will never do it ever, ever. Every single day I go and get that child and I say, you left your dishes from lunch every day, every day without fail. Same kids, same raising, basically the same age makes me crazy. There it is. Yeah. You know, I think there is something to having multiple kids where you can take your own personal responsibility out of it, right? Like you, you can't feel guilty that you did a bad job training them when one of them does an amazing job and one of them is you also can't Not yeah, <laughs> apparently neither of those things is on me. <laughs> no, but uh, exactly the, the way, way this makes you happier, though, is it because one of the things that makes people unhappy as parents feeling like you are doing all the work and you yep. have no time for fun. Um, because you know you're doing the dishes while everyone else is watching TV or whatever it is. And well, and also so you that thing you said, that. where you feel like you're raising these entitled little kids that no one will want, you know, you, you feel like you're raising that college roommate who just throws the dishes in the sink and hopes somebody like, else does it. Yeah, exactly. You don't. So some of it is you're not doing all the work. And some of it is also, um, you know, a sense that you're actually teaching people to be adult humans in the world, which is the goal. Yeah. So, but I like how your book, your book really does focus on not, not taking responsibility for making your kids a certain way. No, that's and that not is something that can make you feel a lot happier, right? Right. I mean, you know, to some extent, deciding that be your own happiness is an important part of your family life, which it definitely is. That's kind of risky because it means letting go of the outcomes with your kids. Um, you can't you can't make your own happiness dependent on them getting good grades or getting all their homework done or making the top sports team or whatever. I mean, that's your happiness should not be dependent on that. But a lot of us, especially when they're little, we feel like those are things we can control. And, you know, you can you can do all their homework for them. people do. <laughs> it's it's out there. I say your podcast co-host has a whole book about that. <laughs> she, she does. But it's out there more than you would think. And and. um you know, when you say, I, I want to, I want this family to be like a happy source of refuge, a part of my life. I want to feel joy. Um, you know, I, I want, I want this to be, I want this to be a good thing. Part of what you need to do is, is sort of let go and let them be like, I'm waving my arms around, I don't know, little inner, inner planets, you know, inner orbiting with you, but not that you, you can't control everything that they're doing and be happy. I don't 
I believe it. I love that. Let's talk about travel then. Cause yeah, Sarah really wants her tips for having a happy family vacation. Okay. <laughs> you know, I, this one tip is so silly, but a lot of people have come back to me with it. Um, take turns being grumpy. <laughs> it sounds, what does that mean? Well, Elaborate. So it, it means, you know, trips, trips are stressful. Somebody's going to be the one stressed at the airport or the one um, stressed because there aren't direction. One of the kids is going to be the one who is stressed because you're not getting where they thought you, you, they were going to be at the right time. And some kids get really upset about that. You know, some kids are just stressed by being out of their element. And the thing is that stress and anxiety are so totally contagious. So um, when you are, you know, standing, uh, I'm trying, I'm just going to go with the airport. So when you're at the airport and the plane is running late and your spouse or partner is going, oh, we're going to miss the connecting flight and they're getting all, you know, you can sort of all join in with that and all get really, but you, I, it's, just, it's not helpful. So the better course, and, and maybe the, the flight's not the best example, but some, I mean, sometimes it's just as stupid as like, I can't find, I just had my hairbrush. I just had it in my hand. Where did I put the hairbrush? Um, and the thing is to just let the person sort of have their little temper tantrum moment and, and step out of it yourself. And even to say to kids, you know, it's actually, we were standing at it wasn't the Grand Canyon, but that was our most recent family vacation. We did the Grand Canyon and all the surrounding national parks. And we're literally standing there. And my husband was upset about something. And I turned to one of the kids and I was like, all right, it's daddy's turn to be grumpy right now. And we're just, you're just going to let him get through this. And then he's going to be fine. And some parent standing next to me was like, I love that. It's daddy's turn to be grumpy right now. Um <laughs> I do like that. You don't allow it. You don't allow somebody's minor misery to catastrophize the whole scene. Thank you for putting that in a much shorter (laughs) phrase than I made. (laughs) But I like it. I think it's a great idea. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just, it's just true. And if I feel like I know that my little snits about the hairbrush or whatever are temporary, but sometimes when it's my kid or my partner, I feel like, oh my God, the whole vacation is going to be ruined because they're upset. You just, you really catastrophize somebody else's emotions when really it's, theirs are just as fleeting as yours. They can get over it. Yeah. Yeah. And you can choose which narrative you want to take. Yeah. The one where, you know, everything's sliding into it and everything, or, or, you know, there's that bump and that bump, but in between it, we're all okay. I will keep that in mind. I'm going to need it. <laughs> well, and a, another big piece, I think, of a happy family vacation, especially with young kids, is to leave, give yourself a lot of buffer. So don't plan a lot of things that are really packed in tightly next to each other. You know, if you think it's going to take a half an hour to get from place A to place B, leave an hour and a half. I mean, you know, leave some room to stop for snacks, leave some room for that. One of our children says, are we almost there? And what that really translates to is, I have to go to the bathroom, but we were just somewhere where there was a bathroom and I didn't go. And I know you're going to be mad at me. (laughs) You know, you you got to leave room. If you the more buffer you can leave, sort of the more slack you can put in the whole schedule, I think the happier everybody's going to be. I love it. Are you going to do that? And too? I liked your list of I loved your list of um you talked about like finding the things that you like to do in each place, not necessarily paying attention to like what the hot thing or like the stereotypical thing to visit, but like you, KJ, specifically like to see bookstores and, and something else. And, and if you get to do one of those things that you like to do, then it's a success. Right. I love and, that. you know, not everything should be 
not everything should be kid focused. This is so key. Even if you have little kids and you're heading off to Disney World, there's probably something you'd like to do that is not that huge on their list. Not only should you do that, but if it's age appropriate, they should come along because like learning to enjoy things sort of on behalf of someone you love, that's that's huge and that's important and watching someone you love enjoy something that they, you know, that that's their thing, that should bring that brings us happiness and you need to give kids sort of give them enough respect to realize that they don't necessarily have to, you know, not every minute has to be Harry Potter. It doesn't have to be an entertainment. Right. You're not responsible for a 24 seven entertainment. <laughs> Please. No, no, I know. <laughs> oh, no, that's good. That's great. Did you have anything else on the book, Sarah, that we wanted to No, but I want to say, um, Oh, Yes. I was going to say, you know what? I think I might. So I have this parenting book club that I started and I think I might use your book. I think your book might be a good a good one because I think there was enough in it to discuss. And I will say to anyone, you know, there are a lot of books out there these days, but this book is very fun to read. And that's huge because you know what it's like to to hear about a book on parenting that sounds really cool, but then you read 10 pages and you're like, oh, do I really have to read this? But this one's like entertaining. Thank you. So I highly recommend it. It won't make you feel bad either. I mean, no, it doesn't. It makes you feel good and it's fun to read. At some point when I was trying to figure out like, you know, I knew I wanted to write a book that that sort of brought together the the past five or six years, well, really more, the past decade of of talking to other parents and interviewing and, and parent journalism. And I kind of thought about, I mean, I thought about a lot of things, including like just, uh, you know, a journalistic look at our societal non-complete total failure to support families, um, which has been written. It's, it's out there. Those are out there and they're great. But one of the things I, one of my original thoughts was something about like having more fun as a family and as I sort of started to make a list of, well, what would things be that would make things more fun? I just got like a less and less, ha- you know, it was just like a list of more things to do. And I was like, I don't want to do more things. <laughs> I just want to. Maybe less things. I things that I, and I don't even necessarily, yeah, I do, kind of do want to do less things, but mostly I just want to feel better about the stuff I'm already doing. Please don't make me like be present or, I mean, I. <laughs> And I, I, I try to, to do those things, but don't don't make me be present or don't make me like, you know, add one outing with an individual child every week or or, um, uh, you know, uh, make a point of of, you know, having a family ritual dinner or something. I mean, uh, some of those things are great. And if those are things that you want to do and you're already doing them, then, you know, let's let's make them better. But realistically, if, if you wanted to do those things, you'd probably already be doing. <laughs> so I don't really tell you to do anything. No, she wants you to enjoy the enjoyable, right? Yes. You can't enjoy every minute and no. you shouldn't try, but yeah. you can enjoy the enjoyable, which is, which is always good. Um, so I think this brings us to our Q and A. I mean, so we're just doing the whole episode with KJ here so she can weigh yeah, in. Yeah. So maybe KJ can weigh in. Yeah. yeah that'd be great. Um, did you want to read it, sir? Cause it, it came to you, uh, right? Sure. Yes, it came. I think it came to me. I don't remember. But anyway, here it is. You mentioned having childcare help on the weekend. And that's, I don't do that every weekend, but when I'm on call, call or, by the way, like, because she's yes. on call. <laughs> Even if it was just because she wanted to go for a run, that would be okay. Yeah, that would true. be okay too. Or if I wanted to hang out with one kid and wanted care for the others, which could actually, 
absolutely happen too. Or if I wanted time for myself, anyway, get a massage. Lots of reasons whatever. this happens, by the way. Okay. So I can see how that would be super, super helpful or necessary, but I am just really curious if you ever get tired of being around other adults as far as babysitters or nannies go. Is there much personal dynamic to deal with there? Just curious and would love to hear about it if you have something to say. So I'll answer it first. And um, we've talked about like, I, I am an extrovert, so I don't know if that like colors my answer. It has never bothered me at all. So, um, so I don't have a lot of helpful things to say, except that, I mean, part of this is that we have a nanny that we truly love and she's, I don't know if she can hear me right now. I don't think she can. She's in the other room with our baby. She's someone I'm happy to hang out with. And, you know, that's part of why we, you know, continue to have her as a sort of contributing member to our family. So I, I, I'm never bothered. Um, and if I want to be alone, then I just would go for a run. Or I would kindly say like, oh, I really need the house to myself for whatever reason. Can you guys go to the museum or something? Because at some point my kids might get stir crazy anyway. But it's not something that's felt. I think I did before having a nanny think that this might be something that would bother me, but it has not one bit. What about you guys? Yeah, I would say that, I mean, it's actually one of the things I hire for though, because I do work at home. Um, and so I know that the other person will be there while I'm there. So first, I, I, I'm very straightforward about it in my my hiring process. I say I'm going to be there because some people don't want that at all. Like they actually, you know, they want to make sure it, I say you're running the show, but I will be there in my office. Um, you know, and some people are for whatever reason that that's not the situation they want. But I'm also hiring them for somebody that I can tag team with a lot between our, our four kids that we're passing off kids from this to that, or, you know, we're all together doing something or, you know, so I, I would say because I've done that, then I'm, I'm not really that worried about it either. And like you, I, I would go for a run or go to a coffee shop if I needed to be on my own away from them. KJ, what is, well, so my kid, my kids are older now, so things are, are different, but um, I planned for, this because I actually am, I am, but I, I need time when there's no one. I need time when there's no one but me in the house and I need time. Which is sometimes hard to pull off with four children. It's deeply hard to pull <laughs> off. And also I find I, I, it, it, it's pretty successful for me now to have time when only the kids are in the house because that's a little bit different. But when I, we actually have the same, it's the same person as it's always been. But we, I used to just plan Days I would sort of set the week up and be like, and on Tuesday, you guys are all going to do whatever. And and so I just sort of took my need for that into account and made sure if I could, that every week there was a space where, you know, even if it was just for an hour or two, there wasn't anyone else in the house. Because I do find, I do find having other adults around constantly, I find, I find having other humans around constantly difficult. <laughs> And yet, four kids. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, that'll do it. Um, so, so now we have our, our love of the week. So we always do a segment uh, to explain to KJ that we uh, say something that is making us happy on this particular week. Um, and I am laughing about Sarah's from her note. <laughs> yeah, sometimes they're highbrow, sometimes they're lowbrow, sometimes they're random. This one's, I don't know, all of those. Anybody watch Glow? Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling. I did not. It's the best show ever. Um, <laughs> well, then you're missing it. out. No, I don't know Glow. <laughs> so it's on Netflix. It's a series. Glow stands for Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling, which was an actual <laughs> thing in the 80s. I love this. Okay. 
And it's it's set in the 80s, and the outfits alone are, like, a reason to – it's so good. And season two was even better than season one. And I just – if you want, like, a total candy TV show, I highly recommend it. And my husband and I actually both really enjoy watching it together. And there's only a very few series that fit that criteria. So, yeah, shout out to Glow. Love it. <laughs> what about you guys? Um do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? Um, I have been, there's a podcast that I, that I um, love, but it's, I guess it's somewhere. It's called Akimbo and it's Seth Godin. And every week oh. just, you know, sort of riffs for 20 minutes on, it's typically vaguely connected to marketing or learning to do things better or whatever, but it's just, he clearly really thinks deeply about something and he comes up with these unusual examples. And um, yeah, I just, I just enjoy it. It's kind of almost a meditative listen. It doesn't, you know, it, it makes you think without, it's it's not political. It's not, you know, it doesn't get you fired up. It's just interesting. Just interesting. Well, that's yeah, always good. Cool. I don't know that this is something that I've been loving per se, but I've really enjoyed watching everyone else in my family love it, which is Shark Week, um, which is on <laughs> while we are uh, taping this which is just so campy in many ways. I mean, they keep trying to figure out how they can take this time where people are paying attention to the Discovery Channel and, you know, make it some moment. Of, you know, so you know, the Shaquille O'Neal in the shark tank, Shaq in the shark, I guess is what it was. <laughs> you know, after doing didn't Michael Phelps put, the year before. Didn't they put like the sharks of Shark Tank in the shark they, they may, I'm sure they do, because they're trying to get <laughs> celebrities into it. Yeah, yeah. I, I read that one of the sharks of Shark Tank had his had a had a wetsuit made that looked like his business suit. Which I, I that's know, kind of, of course, awesome, as I you mean, would, what? as one does, as one does. Um, and you know, I, I I guess it was I was actually asking somebody who was um, you know frequent diver and had work with sharks in the past uh, about the the thoughts on this, you know, is it good or bad? And he said, well, it's really what you come into it with, right? If you're into, you love animals and you're into preservation, conservation, like certainly it gets more attention for these amazing creatures. And that's awesome. Probably there's some other people who are more of the Jaws perspective and they're coming to it from that. Uh, so it probably doesn't change. It doesn't change anything. It's, it's like technology. It's neutral. Right? Shark yeah. week is the, it's a conveyor for your pre-existing ideas. Your about pre-existing sharks. ideas about sharks. So um, with, with celebrities thrown in. But I've en- enjoyed seeing everyone in my family uh, except me watch it so uh very meta of you very meta of me um wait wait, can i love one Uh, more thing oh yes of course you can yeah it's called amanda wakes up it's by allison camarota she was a co-host on fox's um fox and friends and now she's the co the co-host of cnn's new day and it's like if you liked the devil wears prada uh, about um you know yeah. The magazine industry. Okay, this is like behind the scenes of the news industry. Ooh. Um, Ooh. This, is, this it'd be pretty good for a beach bag, I think. It's and it's also actually it makes you really think about fake news and your perception of the journalists and everything like that, which is kind of funny because she wrote it before before, before the that. 2016 election. Oh. Very prescient. That's great. So it's a, a, a good read. Uh, yeah, yeah, everybody needs a good read. That's probably more value. I love my podcast, but that one's that's probably more immediately useful. Well, so you got a bonus love of the week. Yeah. If you've listened all the way through to this yeah. episode, you got a bonus. So we could be a happier parent right now because you had that. That's right. Well, we've been talking to KJ Delantonia about how to be a happier parent. Um, we've been doing this live. Uh, she's sitting here with me in her hotel room in uh, Philadelphia when she's here for podcast movement. Uh, but 
turn in. Uh, we've enjoyed doing this and we'll be back next week with more on making work and life fit together. Thanks for listening. You can find me, Sarah, at theshoebox.com or at the underscore shoebox on Instagram. And you can find me, Laura, at lauravandercam.com. This has been the Best of Both Worlds podcast. Please join us next time for more on making work and life work together. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity.